Welcome back. This is another fantastic episode of Charged Up Studio with myself, Sandra Dorsey, and my co-host, Donna Olivo. Donna, how are you? I'm doing good, Sandra. It's been a while. It's been a while. This is our second season. Uh, our first season went very well. Um, and now we're kicking in again after this long COVID lockdown. House arrest. House arrest, I'm telling you. Luckily, my office is in a solarium sunroom. So I'm looking out right now into my backyard with trees, a mango tree and all this other stuff. So it's, it is relaxing, but I miss that interaction. I don't know about you. I, I do too, actually. For me, what I miss the most is the freedom of, of movement. Because now I pick and choose what I shop based on their COVID rules. Because I am not a, um, I'm not one to conform. You, yeah. the audience probably remembers. I'm the one that's always, you know, you know, uh, trying to live on the edge. So for me, mm. it's been uh, first of all before I even open a door, I read what it says on the door because everybody has their own little restrictions. Healthcare offices are very strict, and so I've not been to any healthcare professionals in a while. So yeah, so those are the things for me. I I try to. I wish I could say the same thing. Yeah, well, you know, I I know, and I actually had a family member pass on in May. Wow. I you know I and my heart goes out to all those who are dealing with that with loss as well. Right. Fortunately for me, Donna, I have a you know I have a very strong spiritual belief or. Mm -hmm foundation that allows me to accept things as they are even in this current unprecedented experience um i have to know that this is not going to be forever this is temporary and you know if we're still standing it's up to me us to make to normalize it as much as possible right. the children depend on that because oh, yeah. the children are watching. The children mm -hmm. are watching what the adults are doing. I must say, there are not many adults on this planet at this time. Because <laughs> all, we're all acting like children. We're all so afraid. Yes. And, you know, it's important for me to share that. I don't have kids. And so, but it, I, I, I love children. And I, they're the future of this planet. They're right. the future of this, you know, of, of this country. It's important that each and every one of us you know, monitor all behavior because it's influencing them in future generations. Right. right. No, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it is an adjustment that you have to get to, you know, being small business owners, like the two of us are, not only are you adjusting the business to the COVID restrictions, like I've had to pull back from the incubator and, and give up my office at the incubator and move home to save money as far as that's concerned, but it's also an adjustment in the family life when you're used to having that separation sometime. You know, my husband would go to work, I'd go to work, we'd come back at the end of the evening and spend time together. Now we're together all day long. <laughs> he may yes. be upstairs and I'm downstairs, but we're together all day long. So we're eating lunch together, eating breakfast together, eating dinner together. And, in, and I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually brought us closer than it was before. There is some no choice at this point. Right. And I'm, I'm also the oldest of seven. Okay. Six girls and one boy. Well, us sisters, we get together on zoom quite a bit. 
because we can't travel that much, you right. know, and that type deal. So even that part has gotten, gotten even more um, receptive to just opening up to each other. So there's, there's, yeah, yeah, there's more also, engagement. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, you know, I, you know, we don't talk much about our family backgrounds, but, you know, I know um, Donna um, had a loss recently and I hope mm -hmm. it's okay for me to talk about that. I was so, so I was glad she went. Know that just both before. you and I are dealing with, with very personal losses. Right. And so we, uh, we empathize with you, whatever you're going through. I think my circumstances are very, um, you know, minor in comparison to some people because um, I've been to so many funerals in my family. I didn't miss not going to a funeral because for me, I had to get on Zoom to watch my cousin's funeral. Mm -hmm. It was tra quite traumatic. And I actually recorded the, the recording, if, you know. And so I look at it and it's, you know, I have to pinch myself to say, what was that? You know, I mean, it was, you know, you could hear, you know, his wife crying and echoing in the church and mm -hmm. you couldn't be there. So those are some of the things that, you know, some of us are having to face. And, um, you know, I know that people, you know, for me, that is, that's a real loss, it but is. also people are dealing with that in addition to income, in addition to freedom of movement, right. in addition to so many different things I had as a business owner had already tailored my life to be more of a home-based um, right. lifestyle. So, you know, because I had a sort of a jet setting lifestyle, which means I could work from home when I, if I'm in England, if I could, I could work from home, if I'm back in Orlando. But so this was not a big adjustment for me. Right. All it meant that I was just going to have to um, spend less time in my car driving from one place to another and not getting on planes. So but for people out there, Donna, there are real situations for parents. I mean, you right. have a daughter who has children probably of school age and how that must, have, that must be impacting, especially the small business owner who it was multitasking, juggling like you, you don't have kids at home, but those of right. those, those members of our audience that um, have children at home and now have to work from home. And now it's all, everyone is doing virtual schooling so it's you're you're sharing that that computer time with your children mm -hmm. because they are doing school on zoom and you're right. doing your business meetings on zoom so that must be hard so yeah speaking, i mean what has your daughter yeah. told you about that experience for her oh i'm telling you speaking of virtual education you know my daughter is dealing with an eight-year-old and then a junior and a senior when this first started mm. okay and the junior and senior you know, the fact that they didn't have to go into class and stuff like that, they got very lazy, you know, and it was very difficult. You know, the senior did graduate um, and he's doing fine. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Yes. Congratulations. And it was a virtual graduation, which was, yes, I've heard which about was funny too, you know. Um, but then the junior is just, he's so lost. But the eight-year-old, um, she, you know, I can't imagine the social distancing that she's going through from all her friends. It's, you know, it's I've traumatic. asked Stephanie how she handling it. She's handling it okay, but she says, "I want to go back to school. I want to be with my friends." Absolutely. I wanna, you know, and I can't help but think, what is this doing 
the repercussions our kids society what's the repercussions we were already behind other nations right. in the educational side this is just going to enormously set us back i can't set us it. back um lifetimes i think because really? the trauma that is occurring in collectively at this time it's just um the fear you know right. we had to we you know as a society we've had to overcome many different levels of fear and we talk about you know on this show we don't really talk, get into the political rhetoric as much as we talk about the political um issues and policies right the rhetoric is there's racial social divide in this country right. but um now for from my perspective we don't it we've gone we've grown through that we've grown through that so now that was a trauma of, of a different kind of a different level but the trauma that we're dealing with now it's something that can not be measured right this fear of each other right and, you know because of how can i say something that we can't see we can't touch because you can't, unless you're tested i don't have those belief fortunately for me i have a very strong reliance on god and i do believe that god ultimately is the first and foremost physician but just to disclose i'm not telling anyone out there in our audience not to go to the doctor and get chest- tested but i do feel that prayer does heal and prayer prayer works so that said that alleviates a fear that may be in me to um distance myself from others you know not want to touch not want to hug so i'm saying that to say collectively now i fortunately i don't have around many people around me and um many of you know i'm a conservative it's interesting because of conservatives you see them they don't wear masks but um i have it's like how you identify how they're going to vote and but i have a very um strong reliance on that in, that other invisible power so we have the invisible covid and but we have also the invisible god the god that says you know um lean not on your own understanding but lean on me i'm paraphrasing the bible i'm not one of those people that reads it every day but uh, yeah there is some powerful truth there so i'm going to choose is it you know it's simp- to simplify it it's you know you either rely on the power of good or you put rely on the power of evil and there are people who subscribe to the to other powers i subscribe to the one power that power is what's keeping my keep me calm in the storm that we're dealing with and i have to trust also dana that that same power is going to normalize things restabilize our society because i can't, i've not flown and i get on flight on flights um quite often i can't imagine what it must be like to fly in this day today with covid and not be able to have a neighbor to chat when i'm going i'm on an 8 hour flight back to london So those are the concept I mean those are the realities that we have to deal with. Uh I just hope that this all settles down after the election. What do you think? And we're not into conspiracy theories, but you can't ignore this elephant in the room. What do you say, Donna? <laughs> can't, you know, um <laughs> just so those out there know, okay? I have a uh 29-year-old son. who is very much a conspiritualist okay uh but he takes it to a healthy level okay he doesn't just take what he hears 
And that's his belief. What he does is he does his own research to back up what he's hearing. And I'm telling you, this, this, this gentleman is just so, so intelligent when he speaks about it because he has done his research, okay? Um, he has always thought that, that COVID has been blown way out of proportion, you know, through the media, through, you know, uh, whatever medical associations and, and divisions and stuff like that. He's felt that, and, and he is a pharmacy tech, okay? So he works in the drug industry. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he would refuse to wear masks. He now wears a plastic cape you know, a cat, one of those plastic things because they forced him to do it. But he is a firm believer that COVID is not, this is, how can I say? I, I don't want to say he believes that this is the government's way of gaining more control over it's us. It's called citizens. hijacking. It's, it's, you know, especially when they're talking about the, um, the injection, the, the, the immunization you know, and stuff like that. And forcing us, the possibility of forcing us to take that immunization, if we want to travel, if we go to school, if we do any of anything that we want to do normally, we have to show proof of having that immunization. And to me, that is our right. Absolutely. Okay. As long as we don't show any signs of illness or whatever, we should not be forced to take that immunization. Okay. So those are the kind of things that he, you know, he and I have spoken about, you know, we've also spoken about the black life matters, you know, and everything and coming from the white perspective, you know, as far as that's concerned, I have not followed it as closely as he has, but in all honesty, they're scared to death because (laughs) their baby is blonde, blue eyed, (laughs) white you know, and I can understand where they're coming from, but I also can understand on the black side, just from appearances alone, what does that feeling, what, what feelings does it um, put out trigger. there? What does it trigger? And that's what I believe Black Life Matters is all about, is that initial impression, that initial fear that people well, have. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you so much. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'm a woman who was born in a country and had many generations of freedom and not much to say about Haiti now, but yeah, it is, it does have a strong history. Um, And the history is since 1804, we have been independent. So the, the plight of black America is not my story. So I was just on a call yesterday, a Zoom call for what legal immigrants, and I said I had to say because people were talking about they came from Cuba, they came from Honduras, they were from here and from there, and I was like, I don't know if I belong here because I came here as a diplomat, right. and I've had a, you know a very different experience. Reagan decorated my dad. We were like all over Washington as the elite, so you know I have to be transparent that. I'm not the average person who happens to be in this body as a black right. woman. And because right. of my spiritual belief, I know this is just something I had to put on. Like a, you put on your clothes every day and you decide, you know, oh, what personality am I going to play? Am I going to be the business person today? Am I going to be the um, 
you know, the mom today, whatever for it is role that you are playing. Am I going to be the soccer mom today? Am I going to be, you know, a traveler today? So I believe in, and these are my deep spiritual and, you know, of course, COVID has forced, if you weren't spiritual before, I think COVID put, put me on a whole different level of right. spirituality because it makes me think deeply about things. So as I think about this concept or this, this movement of back, Black Lives Matter, you know, I came from Haiti where I think 90% or if 95% of the country, I don't know what the ratio is, Blacks, um, uh-huh. but it's a majority, it's dominant Black country. Let me tell you, these right. people in Haiti, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't talk about black, white. We right. talk about, um, you know, mixage, you know, right. we talk about mulatto. We talk about the shade of the skin, the colorism. Right. So my family, I have families that look are white. My mother, my whole family is much, much lighter than I, I came out this probably this shade because I clearly had other lessons to learn in this life. <laughs> but going back to the issue of black lives matter, Every life matter. I just did a, um, uh, I was just the MC for a Back to Blue. My father was a military man. When I think of my family, I think about what impacted me the most. My father right. was a military man. I am who I am as a result of that uniform, I, whether I like it or not. He was a disciplined man. When I think about other things, I think about, you know, I think about my family being very religious and those things impacted me. Um, in my professional life, of course, I grew up as a, a, a woman who is, you know, who happens to be of this skin complexion, uh, mm-hmm. what do you call it, the um, pigmentation. And I worked in corporate America. So right. it was kind of a, you know, different experience because I came in, I was like, you know, um, the it girl, you know, daddy's, you know, diplomat daughter. And then I, you know, corporate America gave me, you know, it was, and you know what, it wasn't so much that it was a shock because we never really had those. Right conversations in my household. My father never came home to talk about, I was discriminated against. And this was not my story. Right. And I have to be cautious because sometimes people say, well, you don't know what it's like. Of course, I don't know what it's like. Right. I probably can more relate to what it's like living in this country as a white person because I grew up as a majority. Right. So, exactly. yeah. and not just a majority, but a very comfortable majority. Right. So the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I have to be careful with that because I don't believe that that movement, it, it may have started with good intentions, but I don't believe that it exists today with good intentions. I, I just need to be clear. And those of you who know me, know me that I don't always drink the Kool-Aid. Actually, I never drink the Kool-Aid. If I did, I woke up a long time ago and said, there is something, they mix something in this Kool-Aid and it's not working for me. So Black Lives Matter for me is a movement of disruption. It is disrupting a system. But what is that system that they are disrupting, right? right? So they are trying to say that they are disrupting the white privilege. Okay. So I am sitting here having a podcast with someone of another race. Right. I live on another continent. I get on a flight whenever I want. I run my company the way I want. You know... And I'm not saying that it, there's no value in looking at race relations. I have a graduate degree in conflict analysis and resolution. You got to look at the problem. You got to acknowledge that there is a problem before you can resolve it. But how long will you be looking at that problem? If you only look at the problem and not the solution, you never get to that solution. And wow. that's why this country will never move forward because, or just say on worldwide, because the thing is, the people who are pulling the strings have no interest in race relations. 
Mm-hmm. They're interested in, in control and in manipulation in pitting one against the other. That's what happened in Haiti. So when you have one group in, that seems to be a very socialist mindset, Karl Marx was right. able to gain power because he saw Fair. an opportunity. It's he fair. saw the yeah. weakened, weakest link in yeah. the bunch. And he stayed up at night, just like when you're small business owners, and this is not a political show, I have to always disclose that. When you're a business owner, you're thinking strategy. Yes. What's my strategy for tomorrow to get to, you know, whether it is um, your go to market, whether it's to launch pro, a new product, whether it is to, whatever it is, as right. a business owner. So Karl Marx's business model was built on division. Yeah. That's the only way he could gain control, division. Because when you understand the concept of oneness, you can't control other people because they will stick together. And you as that lone voice who, who is preaching division, they will drown you out. Yeah. And, you're, you're, you're you know, right. unfortunately, socialism, you know, um, based on Karl Marx's strategy, business model, it's all business, you know, business mm-hmm. model is the loudest voice in the room right now and that's why it's important in this audience that we we are trans we've been politically correct donna in the past has pulled me in she's like okay talk about this but you know what this is not a time to be politically correct because yeah. there are not enough people who are awake to understand how important this is again i don't have kids but donna you have many generations to come. i have many generations and like i said you know not being black okay not understanding totally all i can go on is what i have read what i have heard you know and things like that and and i've heard it from you know many people you know it's that initial impression that they are and and i agree wholeheartedly i think it started on the right path okay what they wanted to do and that was just bring awareness to those who are not black of the impression that they are giving by being fearful. If you see, you know, three, four black men on the street, or if I see three, four black men on the street, on one side of the street, I'll probably walk on the other side of the street because I just don't want to have problems. It's an initial, you know, uh, initial feeling as far as that's concerned. It's an ingrained reaction, right? Right. But I don't think it's necessarily fear as far as that's concerned. It's what we've been trained growing up. Avoid conflict. You know, use your inner gut. Think about, you know, what could happen and avoid any situation that could, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's white, whether it's black, it's, it's it's a preservation of listening to your gut. Absolutely. Um, as far as that's concerned. Uh, but the Black Life Matters, you know, I agree with you. I think it started out good. But then when we start bringing in these hostile attitudes, I know a lot of it boils around to the, the, the police and things like that and getting abusive. And I'm sure there are some policemen out there that do take it to an extreme. And naturally, I would say for sure, they need to be taken off the force you know, as far as that's Absolutely. concerned. But we can't Absolutely. group all of them in to the same group. Absolutely. As far as, you know, I grew up with a father and a mother. Both of them were racial. You know, I'd hear my father say the N-word all the time. He worked in construction. He worked with black men. 
his best friend was a black man, but he still called him with the N word. To me, well, you know, it was black very- people call each other the N word. I don't understand that. To me, it was offensive. Okay. It was very offensive to me, you know, as far as that's concerned. This was when I was very little, you know, as far as, and then my mom was the same way. She'd always have little nicknames for different racial races. Um, and my husband is Dominican. She had a little nickname for him, you know, as far as that's concerned. But where I'm going with this is, I think, I agree with you. I think that the Black Lives Matters movement has really divided us more than it's brought us together. It and may have- Can I just say, they are bullies. Yeah, it may have opened our eyes, meaning me as a white person, to what is perceived out there, okay? But like you, you were brought up in a black environment, okay? You were brought up as the daughter of, you know, a, a very high-ranked individual. You had a personality and a- you didn't feel that comfortable divide. in my yeah. skin. You I didn't, didn't know. You didn't we, know there are certain divide. conversations that I never had. I didn't understand what the civil rights was because it only was, I can tell you exactly when I actually it sunk in of what the, what black Americans had gone through. I was driving from, my brother had passed. I was driving from Maryland to back to Texas to bring his belongings home to my mother. And I was, t I take a long drive. This is back in 2006. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to an audio of Martin Luther King's story. And they were talking about hosing. And I was like, what? I mean, not 2006. I've been in this country since 78. So this is just to give the audience an idea of not everyone focuses on these things. But it is definitely an important... I mean, I sat through history class, but I don't think they talked about it either. That or I fell asleep during history class. But um, you know, probably the, you know, the latter... Yeah. But they, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm because, sure there are I, you know, growing up and, you know, being Haitian coming to this country, my father was adamant about me learning about Haitian history. I must say I wasn't so keen on American history because I felt like, well, not a part of my life. You know, I'm, I don't need to know it. But, in, you know, back to Black Lives Matter, in theory, it sounds good. In practice, not so much. You, the formula is is destruction mixed into it. They are now um, voicing rhetoric about, give me your house. So they will come to your house and take it because they feel old. To them, it's reparation. Okay, wow. so you want reparations. And you know, of course, we're not going to stay on the topic. I just want to say as a Black person, you want me to pay taxes for something I had nothing to do with. Because right. it's all going to come from taxes. Because when you do the math, there's nowhere else for it to, for, you know, yeah. to pull from. And so, you know, we have to think about these issues deeply, deeply. And this is a small business um, podcast, but we don't want to back away from the hard conversations. You know, Charged Up Studio is charged up about the hot topics leading yeah. into the elections. So, Donald, how do you see all these topics, speaking of elections, playing out in um, the recent polls of, uh, after the debate, what, what do you think? You know, I have opinions, but I'll let you I know you have opinions and we don't have enough time in this segment to talk about it. But what we will do is we will dive into it in our next, next segment. Um, all of these issues that are going on right now play a big part in us as entrepreneurs and how we run our businesses. And this is where we get into what opportunities and threats are out in the market that could either help us 
or hurt us. Black life matters. Okay, what's going on with Black Life Matters and the stories that you hear and everything. How can it help your business or hinder your business? And what can you do to mitigate any issues that it may cause in your business? The same thing with COVID. We've been going through it for the last seven months, you know, six, seven months. All right. What are you doing to mitigate the issues that COVID is having on your business. Those are the kind of things that we're trying to bring out in Charged Up Studio in this podcast is give you some ideas on how you can you know, mitigate and work around what's happening out in the environment. So on our next podcast, what we will get into is the political side, which Sandra is going to have an absolute ball with. Anyway, I hope we get to the point where we put we can do this on camera because you have to see the smile on my face. <laughs> so my name is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy and with me is Sandra Dorsey. We look forward to talking to you again and kicking off our second uh, season with a very healthy political debate. Indeed. And I want to say to the audience, we have so many surprises waiting for you. We are launching, you know, um, quite a few um, packages that may benefit you so that's why we want you to this to be an interactive season so we want you engaged and we will be bringing you um packages to give you the opportunity to be um live with us sometimes and and you know sometimes recorded and you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com you can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.